Welcome to Tom and Jack having the crack, an irreverent look at the week's politics and news. Um, let's dive in. Is, is, there, is there a big story dominating the news this week? Big story. Um, I think someone broke up with someone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I think something about a divorce or something, you know. Um, yeah. Well, I guess metaphorically. <laughs> metaphorically. Well, obviously, look at I suppose, get straight into it. The big story of the week is, is the war, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's... Uh, I, I think it's going to be unbelievable. I think it's going to be mind blowing. What's going to happen? Really? Yeah. I. I. My prediction for the war is this, and I, and I think the old powers, mm. and I think Britain, America, France, Russia, the old powers that always fought wars. I. I think they just cannot ha- aren't able to learn that the world has changed and mm. f- and fighting the way they fight wars now um, is ridiculous, because it's not. If you go back to like. Napoleonic times, right? You fight a war, so you're Britain and you fight France. You're yeah. evenly matched. You fight a war, and at the end of the war, you go, okay, well done, you won. <laughs> let's have a treaty. Let's have a chat. What do you want, right? But wars aren't like that now. Wars are like a big power fights a small power. There's no equality. The mm. small power has no chance of winning, right? But the other side of it, too, is the small power will never lose and will never accept defeat because you're not fighting a fair fight and you're not fighting an army versus an army. Mm. So I think what will happen is in Ukraine will be exactly what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan. I think the army will, the Russian army will beat the Ukrainian army at some point. Yeah. And then you will have, but the people will never accept it, s- never accept it and they'll never stop. And you will just, and, and you can't, while you can beat an army, you can't beat a people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just and, you know, at the start of it, it's, you know, rationally thinking, you know, if you think of these things in, in without emotion, uh, you look at it. And I was kind of thinking if I was a Ukrainian, I'd just leave. Do yeah. You know what I mean, there's like 500,000 500, have left, I think. Well, well, of course, they've left. Like, but I would just no matter what, I would just left. But then you hear these stories of the 16 guys on the island. Did you hear that story? No, go on. So there's 16 Ukrainian soldiers on an island. Uh, a Soviet warship pulls up to the island and basically says, surrender. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and they told them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. And they got killed. You've got 16 martyrs now. So whatever, like, rational thought you might have mm. of, I'm going to, now it's sort of like, do you know, they're like Spartans. Yeah. They're like the, the leaders of the Irish Easter Rising. They're, the, they're people who are just like, I'm willing to die like that for my country. Yeah. That'll inspire so many more I mean, people to the, the leader of the country is he's he's typifying that, isn't he? Yeah, they're all and they're like people flying back and he's telling everyone to make Molotov cocktails. Yeah. And it's just like you're just like whatever I thought it started like I don't know a lot of Ukrainian people. Yeah. And you don't know how they're gonna respond. But it's interesting too, because we're seeing that side of this war and that's the kind of there's a romantic side to that. Like yeah. the people going back to like with the Afghan war and the Iraq war, we were never shown that side of the war. Mm-hmm. But that happened there too. Yeah, like, course, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so I think we're going to see this war very differently than we've yeah. seen previous wars. Yeah. And it, I think we're going to re- people might realize just how ridiculous the Iraq and Afghanistan war was. Because yeah. in those cases, it was Britain and America. And, and it just we're going to see why these wars are unwinnable because like you, you can you can defeat an army you can't defeat yep. 30 million people or what there's more how many people live there oh well, i don't know we can maybe maybe look it up it's probably around there 
But I think I think you're absolutely right on the not being able to crush a spirit, and I think you're absolutely right about the we're being shown that human aspect in a way that we weren't before. My one worry, Volodymyr Zelensky, so I pronounce his name right, the leader of Ukraine, because a former stand-up comedian. Comedian, yeah. He's not doing anything for comedians' egos. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I was thinking of it like if if you had to pick um, of of the famous comedians. Mm-hmm. Uh, who to be your leader of a country mm-hmm. when you went to war? Like who would who would you pick? Who yeah. would you like? Well, I think well George Carlin would be good. Like, he's, like a, he's like a philosopher king. Yeah, he would have been good. I think uh, Richard Pryor would have been good. Very inspirational. Richard Pryor, but to be off his head, like. <laughs> Like, I don't think I'd follow Richard Pryor to more. <laughs> Do you not think it'd be like, it'd be like the Vikings? Like, like, you know, like all the Vikings were like high on like mushrooms and stuff and they reckon that's why they were so good at... You'd be, Richard Pryor set himself on fire and ran down the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my point. <laughs> that, that, you know, that galvanised uh, a lot of people in Vietnam. I think um, uh, Chris Rock. Chris Rock? Chris, yeah, like Chris Preacher. Rock could do like Napoleon. He's, he's lying, you know, walking up in front of the guys yeah. at the front, giving them the big speech, you know, getting them pumped up. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Are there any any British comedians who'd be good at leading leading an army? Probably not. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think we have that level of ego necessarily it's in British not, comedy. The, the British comedians aren't as egotistical. I'm trying to think. No, Ricky Gervais, you wouldn't let him lead an army. Um, Becky Flanagan, not they're not serious. <laughs> we're going to fight, right? Going at <laughs> fighting at That actually could work to the British sentiment, you know what I mean? Because the soldiers would be all like, "Fuck, we'll have a bit of a laugh," you know what I mean? Mickey, yeah, we'll have a bit of crack, Mickey. We go out, out, you know what I mean? They kind of like to fight in that sort of way, it loosens them up a little yeah. bit, you know. But like every, every, well, not every. A lot of comedians already think they're kind of like, you know tribal leader yeah already yeah and so just the idea that there's a guy out there is like no i can do that was he a good comedian i don't I, <laughs> you went into politics i'm going to say no that's what i would be thinking <laughs> too like well, you wouldn't kind of leave it if um because al franken did that didn't he the, 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 the music guy no the senator in minnesota in america he was on saturday night live mm. and now he's like a democratic senator and i think that's like a lot of american comics feel that way if he was really good he probably wouldn't have left yeah but it, did you ever see his comedy he did he did parody songs yeah, yeah, yeah. So they weren't they were all right <laughs> i you know it wasn't it was yeah he did like things like nirvana and stuff like that that'd be hard to get, inspire men to fight i think as well like tell you what though do you reckon if he goes back to comedy after this he'll have routines about <laughs> And that's what he meant when he said, because um, he said, uh, you know, like quotes gone everywhere of like, I don't want, I don't want evacuating. I don't want a ride. I want ammunition. Yeah. He's just getting material on Putin. <laughs> that's all it is. It did, they, and and so, they, so they, this, I suppose this is the situation. Everyone's just going to give them um, ammunition and stuff like that. Yeah. That's why it'll go on for so long. I, I saw that the, the British army were over there recently training. Mm. Doing a bit of training with them. You see the, uh, they haven't lowered the conscription age. So it's still 41 technically. To join the army. Yeah. But I saw the thing, if you're 18, 18 to 60-year-old men aren't allowed to leave the country. Really? Mm, oh, wow. Yeah. But I mean, I'm oh, sorry, I mean like the British army. So if, if we actually, you know, what in some weird scenario, if we actually went to war. Yeah. And we actually put boots on the ground. I was thinking, I, was, I just don't know why in my head I was like, I won't have to do that. But 41. 41, apparently, yeah. Would you, are you sneaking in there? Probably wouldn't have me. They'd probably. Yeah, because I I've I've an interest of family background. I have I have I had um, like on my granny's side. My mm. granny had brothers who fought uh, for the British Army World War One. Yeah, 
But I, I have IRA people in my family too. So what you're saying is you're a highly qualified candidate. Well, like, <laughs> I wonder if they vetted me, they'd be like, do you know what I mean? I don't know if we can let him in, do you know what I mean? Pros, you can handle a Kalashnikov really well. <laughs> I once, uh, when I was in university, I once applied for um, a job in Gatwick Airport mm-hmm. to do a promotion and I didn't clear security clearance. <laughs> 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 I had a couple of friends doing like promo <laughs> stuff during the summer in Gatwick Airport mm. and, and I applied for it and they 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 check you they sort of I was basically kind of told I had the job and then I was sort of told I didn't have a job and then it was sort of kind of said that uh, they basically they said that um, they couldn't give it to me because the length of time it takes to get the security clearance right would, would be the end of the summer and my friends were like didn't do that with us. <laughs> <laughs> did, they, did they allude to why, why it might have been? No, no, it? they just said, they just said, look, it, it would take uh, three months or four months mm. to, for, for the process. And by that stage, the summer would be over. Um, so I just, I just took it at face value. But yeah. my friends said they didn't, that didn't happen to them. Like, Yeah. Well, speak, speaking of flying, um, another hidden impact of the conflict. You know, there's a no-fly zone now around a b- bunch of Eastern European states. Right. So Russia's tried to implement that, which I think is going to wreak havoc with uh, British stag dues. Like, if you can't fly to Riga... Back to Newcastle. Back to Newcastle it is! <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you have to downgrade your stag from, like, £1 a pint back to back to £3 a pint. So what, has Russia done that? Yeah, they're trying to imp- implement no-fly zones, yeah. And it, but those, some of those countries are NATO, are they? Yeah, yeah. So the real danger here is, I suppose, the fear of it is that it could escalate into a bigger... Like, that's the issue, isn't it? If, like, if you touch a NATO country, mm. the NATO then has to has respond. To, has to respond, yeah. yeah. Um, that I, uh, you know, I said something last week on this podcast about how I think the millennium just kind of awed us mm. into a period of stability, mm. and now that's over. And I think I was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was right. I think, I think we just. Um, the uh, the end of the Cold War, you had a situation where I think America was just so powerful mm. that their power created this stability. Mm. And I think that's gone now. And I think we're back to permanent just flux. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you see Russia accused Britain of cyber attacking them this week? Yeah, they probably did, though. Yeah, because <laughs> <Yeah, 'cause laughs> they probably did. Well, it was because um, they were saying there was some misinformation put out on Russian state TV yeah. about the escalating nuclear aspects, and they're blaming Liz Truss. Like, they, they'd, for her, to do, for doing it. Yeah, they like, named and shamed her specifically. Yeah. Which is, I just got this image of this, you know, middle-aged woman... You know, with an old computer, yeah, but, just yeah. But uh, listen, I think that look, everyone's deluded about their own state, and like, I think in Britain, I think yeah, British people think they're a lot nicer than they are, <laughs> and they certainly think their government is a lot nicer <laughs> than it is. Like, do you know what I mean? Because like, so, you know, if, if some of the stuff that happened in the troubles in Northern Ireland, that the, oh, like, yeah. the t- number ten Downing Street and decisions they were making, were unbelievably mm. harsh, like. And and I think, you know, everyone just acts as if, you know, it's not one of the most ruthlessly minded states that's ever been. Yeah, you don't, you, you don't get an empire. <laughs> you, don't get, you don't get to the top for nothing. Without cracking yeah. a few eggs. And by yeah. eggs, I mean other human beings. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I saw Anonymous have declared war on Russia. Yeah. That's, um, I don't know how, how good they're going to be, but... 
Yeah, well, you'd think that's that's very interesting because that yeah. is Russia have been arguably the masters, haven't they, of this sort of cyber infiltration, destabilization game over the last decade. Yeah, and for them to get taken out their own game is pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it's um, it, it's gonna I, yeah, like it, it's 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 a horrific tragedy and it, it's going to be horrible for all the people involved. And um, I think when you're when we're at such a distance from it. We, we start to see it in a we start to forget that like you know we mm. you know we, we'll more start thinking about the strategy kind of seeing it in an abstract way almost like a game yeah oh, like a game really yeah. like and and they, they all the, the game aspect of it all will be very fascinating but it, it'll be horrific yeah I mean you see some of those images of like the bombs going to like tower yeah. blocks and stuff in apartment buildings and yeah, and it, it's great to actually see the response positive I guess is seeing the response from the rest of Europe and people have been waving asylum programs yeah that that's actually very impressive like i think ireland said that you don't have to have a visa if you're coming from the ukraine yeah and you know um that should have been done with syria and those mm -hmm. other countries like that you know um i think with the refugee like europe really needs to cop on with the refugee thing like mm. you know what i mean uh because I, I honestly think, you know, we, we're democratic countries. I honestly think that most people would take some degree of reduction in liver standards to help mm. people. Yeah. I, like, we're still Christ, like, we're, we're not all practicing, but I think we're still Christian people. In philosophy rather than faith. In philosophy, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, w we, I don't think, the, I don't think the, the world wars of Europe are, are so long ago that we don't get mm. how how bad it is to be you know cut off yeah and i think we all have um we've all watched movies or read books or something where we've kind of felt you know you know obviously like the, the jewish community will always be favoring helping refugees yep. i think irish people will be too because yep. we you know i think that, that those kind of experiences of, of of feeling like you had to leave and you had nothing i think a lot of people still kind of feel a bit of that in mm -hmm. them you know um german people you know everyone had it to, yeah supposed to huguenots left france <laughs> yes, a lot yeah. sooner than that but the other <laughs> way, i think i think everyone has everyone knows that th this was in the in their yeah in their ancestors this is gonna be the only podcast this week that references the huguenots just <laughs> just, putting, <laughs> just putting that out there it's not it's not an oft covered topic well, do you know what? Because I, I, I was like, here I was, I was like, <laughs> I was going the Jewish community, I was saying the Irish community, and then I'm trying to think, how, who, who in Britain was like English people, and the no. Huguenots were the only <laughs> yeah. ones I could think of. Think they're, you know, they're very much part of the fabric of British mm -hmm. society now, but they too were once ran yeah. out of a country. Yeah, you know? that's a fun little Google for everyone. <laughs> Just make yourself a cup of tea, have a little Google the Huguenots, put your feet up. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> no, but I think I think I, th I think you're right. And it is very impressive to see European nations reacting that way and showing what can what little good can come out of. Right? Yeah, yeah. There, there's two like, I always think you should turn every kind of certainly if you're a politi in politics. I think every tragedy and every crisis should you should try and turn to your advantage. Mm. That's what I believe. I I I found. Uh, 2008 excited me initially and then devastated me afterwards because I, I genuinely thought 2008 was the time for the West to sort its capitalism out and climate change out. Yep. You, your whole system has collapsed 
now you you know the the the, the big vested interests mm. they were on their knees mm. like do you know what i mean the, the 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 big the big ceos of the banks and everything like that that was your chance to 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 restructure the system yeah so that it's not so you know brutal and it's not so damaging to the environment and and the fact that we just picked it back up the same yeah i, I just especially because a lot of the things that were really driving that hyper capitalism are pretty recent phenomena yeah yeah of like, course yeah. like things like all you know in the u.s all companies have to legally maximize profits that's that's not that long that's like a 30 year old rule it's not yeah, a, it's yeah, not it's like not since the dawn of capitalism that's been in been in place i had a, i had an interesting discussion with someone last night at a gig about that rule i got him and uh he he uh he pulled up a defense i had not seen before which i was very impressed with mm. because the rule is a public company that you you cannot make decisions that do not maximize profit because leaves you vulnerable to be sued by the shareholders. Yeah. But what he says is very interesting. If you run a company and you own 50% or more of the shares, then you can make any decision you want and you can make decisions that are benevolent but not profitable mm. because you can't, you're not going to sue yourself. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's, yeah, it makes complete sense. Yeah, that was the, the, the only defense I've ever heard yeah. for it. But. And it's a solid one, but I would imagine that's a quite a rare scenario yeah. where a company's big enough to be floated, but one entity, one yeah. decision-making entity owns fifty-one percent of it. Yeah, I think it's more for for the smaller, smaller kind of corporations. But um, yeah, so I think look at the, the, the what could we do now that to, to take advantage of this situation. One thing is, uh, and I say that now is the time to change our energy s supply. Mm -hmm. Like, so Germany has had to cancel gas orders from uh, Russia. Russia. Yeah. So now is the time everyone should just go right. Let's go renewable. Let's stop with the fossil fuels, mm -hmm. um, and 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 now you have a kind of use that narrative of we don't want to be in this situation, this vulnerable situation where you can just have it cut off by beholden someone. Yeah. You know, great time to do that, um, and then maybe also to sort out this sort of um, refugee immigrant, like get over this. Yeah, ridiculous kind of, especially with like aging populations. Yeah, like yeah all yeah, Western yeah, European yeah. countries have aging populations. You you absolutely need in every economy, a, you know, twenty one to thirty one year old element of your workforce. Yeah, and if you don't have that coming in through natural, you know, births and stuff, immigration is the only way that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and also it's just it's it's the right thing to do. Yeah, you know, it's a win win. It's a win win. How do you, how do you feel about nuclear energy on top of the renewables? Nuclear energy. Um, I, nuclear energy is a really tricky one because in theory I, I have no issue with it and I I, uh, I, I get that it's safe mm. um, it, it's yeah it's, it's a really it's a really tricky one. people are very frightened of it they are and I, very frightened it's, it's a in, hard sell but it's interesting it is very hard sell and I, but it's interesting comparing when you're like oh they used to blow up and it was dead and obviously there was some horrific accidents obviously yeah. but a lot of the technology that was being used in the 80s was developed in the 60s yeah so that's I say, a long time ago and the technology's you know moved on leaps and bounds in terms of and i'd imagine it's something that if we were all doing all the time we'd get better and better and better and better and better at it mm -hmm. like if everyone was using like france france is low yeah. energy nuclear is it nearly all nuclear it's energy? very yes yeah, pretty high percentage i mean if it's not 50 it's close yeah and like you say that's cool so under the radar quietly just gone about doing that it's not they don't make a big song and dance about it they just they just do it. They yeah, just yeah. do it. And I imagine you get better and better and better. Um, the, the, the whole thing is about the waste, isn't it? But Yeah. Well, th then that's the, you know, 
it's like an opportunity it's an analysis isn't it of like what's worse learning how to process this waste yeah more efficiently and more effectively by the way you need because the technology's got better and better you use less and less plutonium which means you have less and less waste so that's one bad thing you have to deal with or the impacts of continuing to use fossil fuels yeah because what we know now what we do know now is just renewable by itself wouldn't be enough to maintain the so yeah, so I guess it becomes a case of like um, when it was first being branded about nuclear energy, it, it it then seemed more dangerous than fossil fuels. But actually, it's now safer than yeah. fossil fuels. Like we have to just accept that the fossil fuel way is yeah a road to disaster. But also, like as someone who was working worked in advertising and PR for a long time, there's a big element as well of like the gas and coal industries. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because at the time, you know, there were huge unions both in the United States and in, in the UK and Western Europe who had vested interest in saying nuclear is terrible. Dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing how the public narrative can be shaped by some obviously very real horrific things that happened. But then it's like an underlying messaging of just like, it's dangerous, don't touch it. Yeah, but that, but that happens in everything. Um, I, I read a thing one time about uh, an anti-smoking drug called Zyban. Mm-hmm. And that before it went to market, the, there was stories about detrimental side effects. And Pfizer then basically didn't, they, I think they'd worked out that they'd have to spend 300 million to undo really? the first, the bad impression. So they just, so they didn't really, they didn't really push it. And mm. then a couple of decades later, they brought out Champex, which was like a, a better version of Zyban. Mm. And they brought it out at the time when the the cigarette companies were getting nailed in in the American courts, yeah. and they just thought they won't they won't pull that trick yeah. now because they're they're under the spotlight. They used to run some great ads in the US for smoking. No, like that brand Shantex. Champex. Champex. Yeah, they, it was it was Ray Liotta from Goodfellas, but it's, he's like. 55, 60. Yeah. And he looks like absolute shit. So he's like, I take Champex. It's really good for you. <laughs> like, if you've you, you done a sit up like in the last decade, he's like, no, I'm great. I'm Champex 101. It's fucking fantastic for you. Really? Oh, yeah. And they, they used to get shit up. And they stuck with him as a spokesperson. But they used to get loads of shit online. Like, this is the, this is the face of your brand? Yeah. This horrible looking craggly man? Doesn't it doesn't paint a picture like compared to uh, probably look better than most smokers? You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, I suppose by Hollywood standards, people are looking at going, "Oh, who's this guy?" But smokers are looking at going, <laughs> "I'd like to look like that." You know what I mean? If I could look like that, <laughs> he doesn't look at stairs with fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's an inspirational guy for me there. Mm-hmm. And then he, I suppose he he was an icon to the age. That's the other thing they always with the yeah. ads. They they. You know, like now when you see things like an ad for house insurance mm. and it's He-Men. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we know who that's at. You know, <laughs> we know what age group they're going after. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? All the people who who, uh, who like that TV show as children. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, an, it's, an, it's an interesting one. I think w- with the narrative building around this, because with the Ukraine-Russia conflict, obviously, the human aspect is one side of it. What do you think it's going to do in any negative aspect in terms of like our feeling towards Russian people? Because that's something it feels like you don't want to miss, miss you know, yeah, there's the Russian government, there's Russian people, they're very separate things. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, because straight away, like but Boris has already said 
this isn't on Russia. Mm. Uh, the Russian people have been protesting. Yeah, it was that tennis player as well, wasn't there at the weekend? He did yeah. the thing, no war. I think it's very the the media narrative has very much always said that Putin was authoritarian. Yeah. Um, I think you know. I think after nine eleven and that, like the newspapers weren't no. They weren't nuanced like no. that. They weren't saying we we weren't being told about the Middle East that there's fringe factions that are extremists and most people are moderate and, and aren't interested in this. Yeah. We were never told that. Yeah. We, we we were always kinda told that everyone in these countries yeah. is fanatical. Yeah. Um but th th we're not being told that narrative about Russia. No, we've got we've got a lightning rod which is Putin, Putin himself. Putin yeah. himself, yeah. Yeah. The, the reason I raised it was because there has been an incident of uh, a sort of civilian on civilian attack over the weekend, which was a Ukrainian chap in Mallorca. He's in like a yacht club. He's a sailor at a yacht club, and his boss was a Russian oligarch. Right. And he tr attempted to try to sink his boat at the weekend. Well, look, <laughs> may maybe the oligarchs might get targeted. That was, that was one thing I was wondering about because uh, they've been, some of them have been quite vocal in Russia about, you know, we don't want this war just for nothing else and it's bad for business because like you know, the sanctions and the gas pipes and stuff um so it'd be interesting to see if, what side they fall on in the next like do they make a longer term play which is you no know, putin's still in charge at the end of the day he's still in charge so yeah we need, so we need to back him no matter what versus fucking hell i'm losing millions well that, that's part of the plan with the sanctions yeah part of the plan is to upset them that they might take him out yeah uh abramovich has changed the ownership of Chelsea, have you seen that? No, go on. Uh, I'm not sure I'm getting this right. I, I think he's basically passed it on to like a, a foundation or a charity. He's sort of maybe, maybe he's just restructured it. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the word that's coming to my head. Because billionaires never give up money. They just re it's like energy to them. It doesn't yeah. go anywhere. It just has, has new owners. But I do think he's done something mm. that um he, he 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 said he's putting it in a trust or something like that and you think he's done that because he's scared of getting targeted or just because he doesn't want it he wants well, to I, I think I th you know there's been talk for anyone associated with putin to someone had mm. i think someone had said in the house commons to seize the club off him. yeah so, th so there had been um pressure coming coming that way yeah it's funny that the russian government wouldn't listen to russian oligarchs because the british government listens to russian oligarchs all the time <laughs> 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 if they get angry about zoning bills in belgravia yeah. our government's like snap to it yeah well, it, well they're terrified of putin have you ever seen that footage when he when he first <laughs> when he first came to power where he brought them all in no, go no i haven't no. oh it's amazing he brought them all in and he basically said, you, you you need to start paying more money to to me. Really? To the state. And uh, I think it's Boris Brevnicek. There was, there was a guy who, who challenged him at the meeting. He was in jail in a couple of months. Yeah, right. Like, Because that's the interesting about Putin in general is when he first came to power in, was it 2001, 2000, something like that? He was seen as a moderate and a reformer and somebody who was on, more on the sort of Western side of, you know, where the Yalta agreements had tried to go. And he sort of shifted more and more and more into more of a czarist, nationalist s perspective. Yeah. Um, and and the oligarchs, I think, have been like on this journey with him of like, well, can we still make our money though, please? 
it's not it's not working for us it's not yeah it's it, it, yeah it's, it's he's a fascinating guy like it's in he's not really f- he's from a kind of a, a quite a humble background too i think he's from a poor enough background yeah um but yeah i i suppose in these situations like i guess the oligarchs are all fairly unscrupulous too like <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's no it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it's, that's not a debate where there's any winners <laughs> Like oligarchs versus Putin. Putin, yeah. Any good guys. I, I've started reading the book about the end of communism in Russia and how the oligarchs became the oligarchs. Right. And um, it just seems incredible. So they they had all these state-owned companies and they privatized them. So say like the oil company and they privatized it. And what they did was they gave... 30% of all the businesses that they privatized, they gave the citizens of Russia vouchers for shares in those businesses. Right. Um, so we would all get, so whatever 30% of the company was, that was divided up by 150 million and we all got a voucher and that voucher was worth such amount. Yeah. But most people knew nothing about it, particularly, so what ended up happening was Someone would go, entrepreneurial guys would go around their village and they'd gather up, they'd buy them all cheap, mm. put them into bundles and then they go to a town and sell them. And then the guys in the town would put them into bigger bundles and go to the city and sell them. And there was just this sort of, and then there was auctions and like there's stories of where, uh, so the, the general public got 30%. I think the, the, the people involved with the companies got a certain percentage and then a certain percentage, I think, were put in the open market for sale. Um, and there were stories of, and then and then there was you had to show up right. at auctions with your vouchers to claim your percentage. So they, basically, people were taking like short term money. They're like, "Oh, great! I've got like a two hundred yeah, yeah. rubles. Fantastic!" Mm. And they didn't know that in twenty years that was going to be worth a year. Yeah. <laughs> a year, yeah, oh yeah, because because everything was very undervalued. Right. Everything was massively undervalued, but there was even things where like. Um, companies organised for trains to be cancelled the, the, the day the night before the auction. So you so couldn't get there. So physically. people couldn't get there, and wow. even I think even someone cancelled a plane, <laughs> like closed an airport. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And um, the the book I'm reading is about an American guy who who ended up like making a ton of money mm. um, working for he was working for the Boston Consultancy Group. And then he was working for Solomon Brothers. And I think it was while he was working for Solomon Brothers. And he basically, he, he, he saw what was happening. And he went back to Solomon Brothers. And he was like, give me money. I'll, I'll make yeah. money. And they gave him 25 million. And I think he, in a very short space of time, turned that 25 into 125. Jesus Christ. Like in six months mm. or a year. So on the one hand, you think... Well, that's a good advert of capitalism because it shows that you can like, you know, anyone can grow money and it works. And on the other hand, you're like, oh, my God, it's a really bad advert for human behavior. <laughs> yeah. And 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 so, so th- and this is what he was saying in the book, that somehow. Thirty nine percent, I think, was the figure of all that privatized wealth ended up in the hands of 20 men. And they're the oligarchs. Yeah. Which is an interesting because you'd look at the dynamic of our economy, like Britain's economy, I'm sure Ireland's economy is the same, or Americans, America's economy. There's some, there's some stats similar in America where I think like 10 families own, I think it's like 30% of all America's wealth or something like that. Is it that? Is yeah, that like, it's like, yeah, like the Walmart family, the Koch brothers, and there's like, you know, three or four more. 
So it's, it's not a dissimilar stat. Stat, yeah, yeah. And you've got this, you know. Well, I suppose that's the eighty twenty principle. Mm. You know that that it just wealth just keeps um, accumulating in smaller and smaller hands unless you set up some kind of interventions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That the 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 natural distribution of the universe is unbalanced. <laughs> yeah, because because you, you you're trying to gather resources. Like yeah, and, and the more you have, it's easier to get more like. Yeah. If exactly. you have 10 million, it's a lot easier to add another million to that than if you have nothing. And then the other thing that happened then with the oligarchs, so then you had Yeltsin, right? This is after the privatization and he was running for re-election. This is really good, right? <laughs> He's running for re-election. His approval rating was 5% or something. People hated him because there was so much poverty and unemployment and most people's lives were terrible. And there was a guy running against him in a democratic election who wanted to bring back communism. He was the Communist Party's candidate and, and he was killing it in the elections. So then the oligarchs made a deal, Yeltsin made a deal with the oligarchs that they will put all their money and all their power and, and, and influence behind them. But in exchange, if he got re-elected, he'd have to offload more companies to them, privatise more companies and sell them to them very undervalued. And at the same time, America was like very much over helping Yeltsin's mm. campaign. Like, you know, this wasn't Putin paying for a few Facebook ads to help Trump. Yeah. This was like members of the Clinton administration in an office in Moscow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this yeah. is what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like completely. Mm -hmm. teaching them how to win a democratic election. You know, it's complete interference. Yeah. Yeah, which is, um, I think you're absolutely right. It's so tempting for Western countries to be like, no, we're the good guys. And yeah. the nefarious stuff happens over there. But America did that for like 30 years. Doing Was, it everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Like South America is basically set up by the CIA to advantage American business, like United Fruit and um, textile companies. So all these kind of things, when you it, it, it is very interesting because when you all these kind of things, when you do them, when you believe you're the good guys, yeah, it, like you know, the, I I said like, like what's happening in Ukraine is very similar to what happened. It's an illegal war by a big power, but the way we are being told about it, yeah, is just completely different. Yeah. The other thing I found funny was um, this week, I was talking to one or two people at work, and they were like, uh, "You saw that the war had started," mm -hmm. and you know. I don't want to judge a book by its cover, but I started wondering, some of these people think if you had asked them two weeks ago, was there any war going on in the world at yeah. the moment, they'd have been like, no. I think about that all the time. I, I agree completely. I think about that all the time, that you only ever care about the things you're being shown in a very casual way. Yeah. Like, I'm sure at any given time, there's what, you know. There's always, I don't think. Dozens I, maybe of wars going on. Like I hundreds think, maybe. I think I remember there was a day uh, where they said that it for one it was there was a day like where they said I, I think it was the first time ever in history that there was there wasn't a war being fought there was a couple of <laughs> yeah couple of uh, peace treaties going on there was a couple mm -hmm. of ceasefires going on but like it's it's continued it's never there's never not been war it's, yeah it's completely continuous yeah exactly it's a constant battle for resources wherever you are around the world yeah it doesn't go away um, and I I was thinking the same thing around the number of people who could actually point to Ukraine oh yeah yeah. Because it's, it's amazing how quickly people start having opinions and getting very on their high horse and getting very like, you know, I'm, I'm all for hearing people's opinions and listening to what they think about the situation. But like the morality and the righteousness with which people sometimes attack 
yeah, you're thinking like how much do you actually know about this topic before but you... the media does tell you how to think it does give you your opinions and you, you see this a lot with sport you know I used to watch a lot of sport when I was younger like, and you know you'd, you, you'd, you'd watch a game of football mm. and the pundits would talk about it afterwards then you go into school the next day you talk about the game there would always be someone who would parrot exactly <laughs> what someone said. <laughs> there was oh, yeah. always someone they'd just pass it off like it's their own opinion, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And everyone would just like, oh, it's an interesting point. Like, everyone like, that's what the guy said yesterday. Yeah. Like, I, always, I always thought Match of the Day, that was the easiest job in television. Because hmm. if you ever watched like, the, Alan, the Alan Shearer analysis of a game, so it's like, so he's just sort of gone down the lane there and he's crossed it <laughs> and then he scores. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mum could do that. <laughs> you shiny-headed moron. <laughs> He's just like what? He's like a two-year-old watching telly. Yeah. You sat a two-year-old down and like, tell me what's happening on that screen. I'll, I'll tell you who. Mark Lawrenson. Mm. How the hell <laughs> did he stay on telly for so long? Captain Charisma. He was so miserable. He hate. It's like he was. A, he, he. It was like he hated being there. It's like he hated being there. Hated the sport. Hated the idea <laughs> of the sport being played. Hated the people he had to talk to. Yeah. Oh well, another terrible game today. <laughs> oh god, I can't believe you flew me all the way to Istanbul, first class. <laughs> put me up in a five star hotel, and I have to sit beside you and talk about football for thousands of pounds. Yeah, horrific. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what? What are you complaining about? <laughs> like, also, I'd love to know what would he rather have been doing. Oh, jeez, I don't. Do, do, do you think he had a garden back somewhere I, that he was like, I wish I was back? On my I breakfast. watched that and I used to think his agent mm. must be unbelievable. They must have <laughs> the like, they must have the BBC over a barrel of a gun. Like, do you know what I mean? There must be no way they can get rid of this guy. Like, yeah, because no enthusiasm. Yeah. Because you think, well, I only wondered if, you know, we were saying earlier about de- demographics, like yeah. certain people of a certain age just love someone. I always wondered, like, because he was big at Liverpool, wasn't he? He was big at Liverpool when they were, yeah, yeah. So I was always wondering, like, is the average age of match of the day viewers, like, 50? And Mark Lawrence is just, like, a good fit for them. Also, because they're as miserable as him. Yeah, <laughs> but that, I think that's more the case. Obviously, that Alan Hansen, too. Is yeah. But maybe that's the case that, you know, Angry, bitter people appeal to angry, bitter <laughs> people. Do you know what I mean? And if they were all just happy yeah. and shiny, you'd lose the angry people. They go looking for someone else to watch. Well, I think that's, that, that is so true. That's how Fox News works in America. You want a 55-year-old to 60-year-old white guy being angry or scared. Yeah. Talking to someone at home is a 55-year-old, 65-year-old white guy who's angry and scared. I think, I think that works. Yeah, well, it's emotion, is it? I suppose yeah. that's... Um, it's, it's mirroring. It's this thing where... Um, if you elicit an emotion and you wa- someone's watching you, it's like they get like 30%, 25% or something of your emotion that you're feeling just by watching you. By watch. Why do you, do, you, do you think younger people aren't as angry as older people? Do you think that was, that's always been true? Yeah, but I, I kind of, I, I feel like when I was younger, mm. I you always saw, regularly saw mm. men get really angry. Yeah, a lot more fighting. A lot more fighting. But you just don't, I just don't feel you see it as much now. No, I think you, you mentioned something on the last part, which I think is true, which is there's a bit more, I think we have a bit more hopelessness about your situation in life. It's almost easier to not be angry. You're just like, ah, fuck it. Like, you know, if, yeah. if, if the Gen Z are like, I'm never going to buy a house, I'm never going to have a good job, climate change is going to kill us all in 10 years anyway. Like, let's just do some shrooms, chill out. Like, there's no point in getting angry. 
that uh, are that the world has become so complicated and confusing yeah that people feel they have less influence so they're not they don't get frustrated when they're oh yeah i think that's a big part of it because i think if i think back to the fights i avoided like the plague growing up in leeds there'd be the what you're angry about was the thing you could control like i want to go home like you know guys be fighting over who goes home with the girl or guys be fighting about like who got in the queue at the club or whatever it was always like very small scale things about you know life that felt within the realm of this fight could actually sort this out and that's where a lot of rage and anger came from whereas i feel like now people are just like I'm, I'm connected to the whole world all the time it's too big it's too complex how the fuck am i gonna what what, what is my place in this world what's the point in getting angry or, or maybe the there's been a big change of philosophy mm. and i think this could be again this could be the putin kind of thing because he up until world war Two, the idea that if you're more powerful than your neighbor you can bully them yep you know countries could do that and and maybe you know that 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 like filter down everywhere so if i'm the biggest guy in the town i should be allowed to bully whoever i want you know what i mean yeah that's a good point and 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 that actually we moved away from that and then it was like you know because the the global thing was all like no you can't pick on people you have to the let everybody influence was more important than power and you can be very influential without necessarily being powerful yeah. And that probably extrapolates to regular life as well. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. It's so like, oh, he might be a scrawny little guy, but like he's the coolest guy in here. He's a DJ or whatever. Or he's, you know, all the girls like him for a different reason. And I can't, me being big and physical doesn't help me get one over on him. Get, him, get one over on him. And yeah. similarly in global politics, that can be with, you know, the internet and with the way information is disseminated, you can be a very influential player on the world stage without being physically strong. Yeah. yeah. But he wanted China and Russia want to bring it back to if you're the biggest boy in town. Yeah. You should be allowed to do what you want. Yeah. Do you, do you believe Putin? Just on that exact point, do you believe Putin when he said, um, he gave a quote the other day saying he wasn't prepared for the sanctions to be as hard as they've been and he wasn't prepared for. Did he say that? Well, this is what I'm, this is what I'm wondering if he said it or if it's come out. Cause it came out like a statement from the, hmm. from the Russian government. But I wonder if it's like a 3D chess move where he's trying to garner su- sympathy or something or trying to get elements of the international community to feel, to feel sorry for him or garner sympathy at home. Because the other thing he said was he's been shocked by the um, lack of preparedness of the Russian army. Really? Yeah. <laughs> how does he not know how prepared they are? Well, exactly. How does he? Exactly. And it reminded remind me of, you know, that meme that goes around all the time of uh, downfall. Like yeah. Hitler in his bunker, like, oh, we'll just circle around and do this. I was I, I was wondering either is this like a, you know some sophisticated three D chess move that none of us can none of us are privy to like what he's actually doing, or B is he just a bit of a crazy motherfucker? In a well, he he could be just so surrounded by people who are afraid of him and people who want to please him that he's like, uh, I think we'll evade Ukraine. How's the army looking? Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> tip top because you know like in in china they had that thing you know that with those famines in china the 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 chairman chairman mao didn't even know about no yeah no everyone was afraid to tell him what was actually happening so maybe they've been telling them um (laughs) army's fine and do you think there'd be any blowback from the west or anything that's that's all that's just i've been seeing a lot of wooden guns out there (laughs) Is that part of it? Is that part of the training? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they haven't succeeded in any of their um, 
ambitions yet the, the military tar- targets yet. yeah it doesn't say I, mean, I think what you said right at the top of the show that you know they're, they're fighting a mindset they're fighting a willing a spirit a willingness to to defend your own country country yeah so i think all, of, all so far i think mainly what they've been doing is just shelling into kiev which looks you know looks like a show of force and looks impressive but it's not you're not putting Make, you're not making you're not, yeah you're not gaining any ground and you're not putting any of your troops at risk really yeah which again makes me wonder is he just is this is this just a crazy global um posturing move ultimately they just want russia to feel like a big boy on the world stage again and he'll do this for a while until either i mean it's his, it's his goal that europe gets so sick of not having russia's gas that they have to do something about striking a deal with him or well his i, I suppose his, his grievance is this is what they, they, they say that he could he he embodies this kind of victimization. R- Russia always feels hard done by, by yeah. Europe and the West. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Didn't get the, the respect they deserved for their efforts in World War Two. Mm-hmm. Um, where after the end of the Cold War, when mm-hmm. the Berlin Wall fell, they said that they were happy for East Germany to become part of the EU, but they didn't want any other states, Eastern ex-Soviet states to become yeah. part of NATO. They didn't want NATO expanding eastwards. <laughs> NATO expanded very much eastwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, I suppose it's a, again, it's a bit like Hitler too, isn't it? Because it's that this this is a proud nation that's been humiliated. Yeah. And yeah. and and needs to stand up for itself and needs to reassert itself to regain some pride. Yeah, in the face of humiliation, and and you and I think that was my first thought as well. But you, you're like, oh, do you want to you know, think about Hitler? Because it's a you know comparison everyone wants to make. But I think what's interesting for him is they haven't they they never shut down the internet the way say like China regulates the internet. Russia's you know access to information is a lot more open, and I wonder if the people in Russia would buy that argument as readily as people in Germany in 1938 would have. I'd, I'd imagine some would. Mm. I'd imagine, you know, the nationalism exists everywhere. Um, I think, you know, like there was people in Russia who would have remembered when Russia was the second most powerful country in the world. Mm-hmm. There was a time when, you, you know, Russia says X, you jump, you do it, you know. Yeah. And, and then to have that where, you know, like... You know, America's just yeah. basically every step of the way said we won't do that, and then did do that, and mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, you are kind of being humiliated. It's an interesting one too. You, 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 do you watch that Mine Hunter? Like yeah, the serial yeah, yeah, killers? yeah. That, It's in that too that they say that one of the things with serial killers is they get humiliated as children. Mm. Did you see that? Yeah. Uh, usually by their mother. Yeah. So uh, humiliating people causes a lot of troubles. <laughs> 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 you take anything away from this week's episode. <laughs> I'm gonna write a book. How to stop humiliating people like you? Know what I mean? How to avoid planting the bad seed yeah. in the first place? Like, but it's true. If you put your foot on people long enough, yeah. eventually they have, they, have, they have. That's kind of what I was thinking with his whole nuclear thing. You know, he put the nuclear. Foot on. Yeah, yeah, that's because you wonder exactly on that point about how you deal with humiliation and where you where you store that in yourself. If it's a choice for him between firing off a nuke, I'm not saying we're there yet, obviously, but if it's a choice for him between being backed off and being told like get back in your corner or firing the nuke or firing a nuke yeah yeah well this is in the art of war you know you should never corner mm. should never corner a weak enemy mm. you know it's that whole idea that a cornered rat is as strong as a fox you know this yeah. sort of thing like 
that um, it's in the art of war. You should always give them an out. Give them an out. Yeah, yeah. Never, never corner them. Yeah. Because um, that's what because it feels a bit like with the pylon. I think it's and this is part of culture more broadly with the pylon of like just slamming them and saying you know not. Gi- I don't think the West is giving them a way out currently. It doesn't look like it. Yeah, and it, I suppose this is the other side of it too because you have okay. So there's his rationale, right? Russia is humiliated. This is a restoring pride. But this is where he looks like he's gone irrational mm. is you can't see it succeeding. No, that's where that's where. So the the the, the, the why he wants to do it, there's an element of rationality, mm. but uh, how he believes it'll it, play out. Yeah, how he believes it plays out. Yeah, that's where he's become a bit. Yeah, irrational. Yeah. Well, the only, th- the only thing I was wondering was, is it enough for him if he just destabilizes Ukraine? He goes back to his corner, but he seeds enough doubt in Ukrainian people that, you know, there's th- this government costs our country a lot of lives. You know, it's, and it's like a longer term play for him just to destabilize Ukraine and get you get a more Moscow sympathetic leader in there eventually. Yeah. Oh, well, that's... Th- 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 that's another thing they say that they, they want um, they don't want Ukraine to be moving towards liberal yeah. democracy so they want it to stay more like a Soviet state yeah and you wonder if like the longer term players this is the price you pay if you move if, towards them this is yeah, the price yeah. you pay so therefore you want a more Moscow pro candidate in there because then we won't have to deal with this again yeah but it probably made Ukrainian people more anti-Russian than they've you, ever been. I mean, you would think, wouldn't you? Yeah. But then you, you don't know if you push how far you push those people. You push those people, you know, the first two months, three months, let's say, it's split spirit and it's we're all in this together. And then eventually, if, it, if the toll gets too high, do people's attitudes start to change? Maybe they don't. But maybe. Well, they it's, do. look at again. It, it, you know, very similar with uh, Iraq. You know, the, the West went in thinking we we'll go in there and this country will become more Western and it probably became less Western mm-hmm. by the end of it because you just create so much hatred and resentment yeah. towards you. Um, like th- th- there's, there's a great podcast about the Iraq war called Blowback and, and they, the Americans genuinely honestly thought they were going to create a free market utopia mm-hmm. in Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, a real libertarian paradise. And that was incredibly, <laughs> incredibly naive. Yeah. You know, and, and I suppose that's, um, that, you know, so the, what he's going in hoping to do to kind of to stir Ukraine up make, to make it a bit more Soviet, he's going to push them away. But it, the, the, I guess the difficulty then does become f- for the West because the Ukraine's like, okay, we want to join, after say we want to join EU, NATO, mm. like, because then just exactly does the EU want them to join NATO? Yeah. Because if you ever did it again, that's like the whole NATO alliance has to fight. Yeah, it's and, and then you are then you are on for a big Barney. That is a real thing. Okay, you're 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 in NATO. You're, yeah, you're representing the British delegation. Yeah, I'm representing the Irish delegation. Yeah, uh, would you let Ukraine in NATO and the EU? I think I would have to say. Yes, because I am single and that would be a good opportunity to meet the future Mrs. Henry, I think. Um, I, I think at this moment in time, I think it, it, to publicly say no uh, in a hypothetical conversation <laughs> would make you as an individual 
looked like a very bad and ungenerous person yeah, and absolutely. someone who, who's, who's gone against the zeitgeist. But on the flip side, I think if I was the leader of Ireland, I think it would be irresponsible to the Irish people to do it because you, you, you're putting yourself in danger. Round of applause. Round of applause. Round of applause. He's, he's basically like... <laughs> It, it, that's my political that's it. he's done he can vote landslide victory <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to put the voting link on the Instagram you'll be able to vote for him I think in reality though if, if Ireland and Britain were at those talks we'd just be like yeah. just wait to see what Joe says whatever Joe says yeah yeah whatever Joe says we go with it Joe what do you think Joe <laughs> well it, 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 Joe well the, the thing with America is it, it, it's an absolute like it's they're not getting involved you know, yeah, but but they'll funnel money in, but yeah. they're not gonna. No, because that because that could be the. Well, this is the other thing I think is interesting with the with the Putin thing is, it it puts America in a puts America in an interesting position mm-hmm. with Trump lurking in the background because his big thing is going to be, I would have taken them on, I would have gone in there straight away. No, but he, no matter what Joe does, Trump will come. Like a. I don't, I don't think they will, right? Yeah. But if America had gone in and fought, Trump would straight away be gone. America first, we're wasting money, you know. You're right, yeah, absolutely. But also, he's probably now, if they don't do anything, he's probably now, well, he's already said, it wouldn't have happened when I was there, he was afraid of it, you know. So he, yeah. so th- th- that's playing, um, y- yeah. you know, that's creating a thing. Uh, so it it'll be interesting how it affects other countries because uh, obviously France now... I- it, th- I think it's tilting the election back towards Macron. It in is. France. is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, it, so the, those kind of unforeseen consequences are interesting mm. because it it seems to be tilting the French away from the anti EU. Yeah. Uh, let's go it alone, uh, people. Because it makes people be like, oh God, there's some real shit happening. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. might need a more structured defence. And I, and I suppose it's just that there is there does seem to be a collective yeah. coming together. Like well, also, if the Russian army is a bit like, oh, how good's our army? The French is like, do we have an army? Uh, <laughs> France is a good army. This I always think. Do you know what? <laughs> do they though? No, I do they like. I I find this. Like one, <laughs> as, as an outsider in Britain, one of the things I find <laughs> there's a big blind spot <laughs> in Britain to France because during the during the uh, Brexit referendum, the thing I couldn't I just find absolutely mind boggling mm. is how often this kind of people go on about Germany using the EU to try to take over. Yep. It's like if France is who's trying to take over Europe. It's always France. <laughs> France and the France have. have taken over Europe before they've done it they know how to do it they've successfully <laughs> done it they've got a big army like no one ever says that France are using the EU to take over Europe like far more France are far yeah. more likely to have that mindset yeah. than, than the Germans it is so funny you are so right it is so funny how Britain's conception of itself is built on uh, vestiges, of, vestiges of empire and World War 2 yeah, oh, World War, completely World War Two. Like, yeah. like it's almost like nothing else ever happened. Hundred percent in in the whole of history. The ever. whole of history. So like, we won this big war. So history is like ninety nine percent World War Two, one percent everything else. Henry the Eighth is the one. Henry the Eighth is the other one percent. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's you know, and people like France, France's army. I think is almost completely comparable to the British army. Right in in like you know France might have a few more tanks than Britain. Britain might have a few more planes, but like pretty much they're very very evenly matched. Yeah, 
France's huge global influence. Uh, France has a very aristocratic mindset. It it has no like Britain, you know, no uh, insecurity about ruling a continent. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Do you want to rule? A yeah, yeah, we'll rule. We're like German. Germans are, you know, other than kind of like the Germans were never really that that type of people. Like you know, we should be in charge of everything. You know, Hitler was. It's kind of more Austria. The Austrian-Hungarian yeah. empire, like it's yeah. more an Austrian sort of mindset than a German. German people were kind of always a bit more, like it, it was never always this big, powerful country. Mm. And they're not really that mindset, but Britain always talks about them like they are. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's just linked back to that one, you know, one, one thing. I mean, it's a pretty big conflict. Big conflict, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> and, and around the world, like the French army is is respected around the world. Like, you know, there's countries that are like, you don't fuck with France. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus well, Christ. Well, well, I suppose, like, they still, they still have very real links to their empire. Yeah, yeah, Like, going on around the world. In the, in, in the mid, like, in the mid, like, they're definitely well-respected in the North Middle Africa. East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I told you, I was telling you that thing where the, the, the Saudi Arabians had them over, mm. their special services guys over training, their spe- you know, to, to for the siege of Mecca. Yeah, and then in, in Asia too, like, yeah. you know, France is a well-respected country. I, 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 to be honest, mate, I can't get over the image in my head of the Russian army pulling up to the borders of Kiev and the guy just goes, fire, and the tank just goes like... And it's, uh, it's, it's like, Steve, did you not? Do you think that, did that happen? I, I, in, my, in my head, I would, you know, just to try and... I heard they had good equipment, though. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 in all reality, they probably do. But I just like this idea that the Russian army, no one's, like you said earlier, no one's bothered to like, actually check. To, ch- or, to check it. Or test. But another one for you of how Russia felt hard done by. So World War Two, mm-hmm. they didn't feel they got the respect they deserved for the fight they put huge up. Huge sacrifices made. Huge sacrifice, right? Napoleon, right? Everyone knows that Napoleon lost in Waterloo, mm-hmm. right? But he had two big defeats in Russia before Waterloo that took the the wind out of his sail. Yeah, you know. But no one, you know, everyone. Oh, who brought down Napoleon? The Duke of Wellington and Waterloo. Mm-hmm. So th- there's another example where they feel like they were overlooked. So they yeah. do they do get overlooked a lot. Yeah, which is strange because they've got. I was about to say they need, they need to get better storytellers, but like Russian Russians are brilliant at telling stories about their own hardship. Yeah, like if you ever you know obviously like War and Peace and like. Like the gambler and like some great stories about Russian hardship, but they've never done a good job. I don't think of fictionalizing their history. But do you know what their problem is? Their leaders are always small. Go on. That's <laughs> just physically small. <laughs> just physically small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's you see, in a, in a in a democracy, the the group has kind of a sense to pick someone who has a bit of presence mm-hmm. because like Putin's small. Yeah, I, I think I remember. I think I've seen a picture with him, David Cameron, Barack Obama, and like he, they were towering over him. Uh, Stalin was small. Yeah, like you see it. I, I what was it? Eisenhower and Churchill. They were big guys. Mm-hmm. And there was so, you know, when you're negotiating a treaty in a small room. Now the French guys are always kind of small too, but they're energetic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nippy, <laughs> just more of, a, more of a nippy world leader. <laughs> the, the power dress, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, That's what I was gonna say. More stylish, more like, stylish. You know, yeah. the, 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 the American, the British and Anglo guys are big. They're tall guys. Yeah. They're like, you know, how you doing? The, the German guy or the, the Russian guys play at humble. Mm-hmm. The French guys all over the fucking shop. I come with some va va voom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
So you're saying about the army, have you ever read this thing? It's um, They use it in business school a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's prior to World War II, um, some guy was told to assess the German army's readiness for war. Right. And he wrote a report. And an element of the report has become really famous and is used in large organizations and businesses ever since. And um, it's brilliant. He said that there was four types of people in the German army. He said you had the unintelligent lazy. Mm. Right. Have you heard this? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. If the unintelligent lazy, he said these people do no harm. They're great. You know, keep them. Then you have the intelligent lazy. These people are suited to the highest office, right? These people should be at the top. And then you have the intelligent, hardworking. These people are your officers. Mm-hmm. These are your, your your main guys. They run everything. And then you have the uh, hardworking, unintelligent. These people are a menace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they need to be all fired. Yeah. <laughs> that all they do is create loads of extra work for everything. And I think we've all worked with someone who is just like, calm down with all this extra work you're creating that's pointless. Yeah, and point and pointless or pointing in a horrific direction that nobody asked for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll just like plow on because like I've got to be doing something. I've got to be I've got to be busy doing something. It's like, yeah, but you're pointing the boat towards the iceberg. You don't need to... I think, you know what? I think we've had a decade of hard-working, unintelligent people being too prominent. I I couldn't agree more. Do you know what I think it is? There's a a fascination with work being morally good, like hard work being morally good. Because I think about someone like Churchill, obviously you're getting up early and... I'm not saying saying he's a perfect guy by any stretch, obviously, there's a lot of, you know... But he was a gin-soaked truffle eating cigar munching ga- painter and he's still had time to do a bit of painting yeah so and he would get up late you know because you hear about modern leadership and it's like i get up at 4 a.m and i'm working till three and da, da, da. And he was like some days we wouldn't get out of bed till like 10 11 and just come in and make decisions and you think that that he might he might fall into that intelligent lazy category some other time yeah and i don't think and i don't think that is as celebrated anymore as it used to be just being a great thinker you, you do know who the Prime Minister of Britain is Jesus Christ like he's, he's complete well he, he, he gives the impression of hard he gives the he's, he's lazy yeah. he's, yeah. he, he's definitely everything about his demeanour do you know what actually that is a great pushback the minute you said that I was thinking like Trump's kind of like that as well <laughs> lazy as well <laughs> Trump is completely lazy like yeah but then you I mean and they're not stupid people but no guess, no they're smart they're but, smart, but I guess right. they don't have that level of um, you know, like enlightenment style intellect that you would associate with someone who could just think for a little while they don't have to work that hard but just like yeah, think d- for a d- while. I, I, I hate the virtue of hard work mm. I hate it um, and I it, it's not <laughs> like hard work is not virtuous like it's, yeah. it's a complete and utter con Right. There, there's a great book called Why We Sleep, right, about a Harvard yeah. professor who's studying sleep patterns and all that. And he says, look, you need to sleep eight to nine hours a night. If you don't sleep eight to nine hours a night, you will have health problems. Yeah. Like it, it, that's just that's it. Like there's a biological fact. And he said there's so much mythology about not sleeping and the virtues of not sleeping to work hard. And he said a lot of it came from in America where the, the big factory owners, mm. 
they didn't they wanted the factories running 24 hours a day mm-hmm. but they also had massive uh, shareholding in the media in the mm-hmm. newspapers so they started writing about uh, the virtues of not sleeping mm-hmm. and saying oh you only need four hours a night and you know yeah and and uh, Margaret Thatcher was famous for the, the four hours a night four yeah. hours a night but she got dementia right at the end, the, the, like some of the guys in cabinet said, but by the end of it, like she, her, her memory was gone. Like, yeah. Um, so it's not. Uh, and then also like just the whole idea that people can compensate for lack of talent by yeah. hard work. It's just like, fuck well, off. it's a big, um, was a Victorian thing as well, wasn't it? Like the devil, ma- devil makes work for idle hands. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're, it? always, they're always trying. To, it's a con. Yeah. It you, is. Know, you always have to know, who's winning by this. Yeah, well, well, it's it's like the it's like the women can multitask. Yeah, you know, like it it it, it, it you know this idea that you, they, you say to them, women are told that they can multitask, the men can't. Like, and then it may you feel good about this, but you're being tricked. Yeah, you're being tricked into doing extra work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> extra work for less. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it just comes from control. In both instances, it comes from control. Control. Yeah. That if I can make you think that idleness is somehow immoral you'll be doing what I want you to do more of the time and less of what you want to do yeah. more of the time. And then Malcolm Gladwell brought it along with the 10,000 hours mm-hmm. and, I, you know, the internet sped it up a bit. I, I had young people coming into me in the pharmacy like with health issues and, you know, they, they're coming in and they got like skin thing or this, that and the other. And I, I first question I always ask when mm-hmm. it comes in is like how many hours a night you sleep? Mm-hmm. And when they start telling me four or six, and I was like, what are you? And, and it's because they've, they've completely convinced themselves that the, the number one factor to success is mm-hmm. hard work. It's not. No, I mean, so I didn't realize this, but when I was uh, last full-time job, your Gmail notifications and all your, like, you know, WhatsApp groups and work. Yeah. Basically, every time one of them comes through, it triggers a mini fight or flight response. Does it? Yeah, so you, you, neurologically, your body's going through the same thing of, like, ah, a tiger. Because you're like, what is this? Is it bad news? Ah. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's producing all these stress chemicals and stuff. and Cortisol. Cortisol, yeah. So if you're, if you're doing, if you're checking emails at the 10 p.m., you're basically giving yourself, like, stress hormones like right late into the night. So I stopped getting my notifications on my phone. I got fired pretty shortly afterwards. You know that in France they have a law that says, yeah. you, but but I heard in practice it's yeah, it's it's happening. Like, yeah. but, but they had that law that you weren't allowed. We need to fight back. Lazy, the lazy people need, need to, to fight back. Look, if, <laughs> if, if three things come from this war, <laughs> a shift away from fossil fuels yep. and openness to refugees absolutely, and a pushback against the virtues of hard work and a re <laughs> a re awakening <laughs> to the to the, bur- the beauty of laziness 100% what do we want laziness what do we want? <laughs> when do we want it ah, sometime soon <laughs> yeah like you know I want you to go to work don't, don't you know and this is the other thing too like with the pandemic was quite interesting because um, I, I, I work in health in the pandemic. If you were operating prior to the pandemic mm. at a hundred percent, you're fucked. Right. You need you like you needed to have that bit of slack because suddenly you you had a massive jump in in workload. So if you were operating, if you were going flat out, so so you should never be going no at a hundred percent. No, and 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 who says like who says. Um, the idea, watching, I, my brothers operate like that a little bit. Yeah. Where, like, it's 100%. And my brother my brother had a really good quote, which was, during the pandemic, he wasn't working from home, he was sleeping in the office. 
It's, it's just like it's just it's a level of stress I'm not sure humans are meant to no definitely live not under. no no and it, do you know what it is so it's the internet right so what we say that the, the hard working unintelligent mm. so the, there's a thing in psychology that the child who speaks the most in class is often perceived as the smartest child regardless of what they say so if you were the hard working unintelligent person on the internet what you did was you just uploaded the most amount of content possibly mm-hmm. and you by your ubiquitous appearance, you mm-hmm. tricked people into thinking you're intelligent. Check, check, check the clips every day, by the way. Check, <laughs> yeah, check the clips every day. <laughs> <laughs> so you trick. So there's, there's, there's quite a few, like if you look on the internet, there, there is quite a few people who are now classed as intellectuals mm. that historically wouldn't have had a, you know, wouldn't, would never be classed as, yeah. as, as intellectuals. So, you know, taught, taught leaders rather than intellectuals. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. Because it should take a long time to come up with a, a novel idea or an interesting idea or something that's really saying something about humanity. Should take a while. Should shouldn't be something that can be uploaded on a daily basis. Uh, on a daily basis, yeah, yeah. And 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 if you're talking on the internet all day, then you're not reading, are you? No. You know, and there's a, there's an old saying that um, never trust anyone who talks more than they read. Yeah. Empty vessels make the most noise. Empty yeah. vessels make the most noise. So, we'll have to get rid of the internet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> four things. That's four things that have come out this week. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to be lazier. We're going to have no internet. We're not going to have fossil fuels. And uh, I don't know. I, wanna, I really want to start a workers' rebellion, do you? Know yeah. I mean? Like, get a sta- have a statue after I die, you know, just kind of... just. Like I suppose a moderate rebellion, like let's <laughs> all just rebellion. yeah, like just let's all just start doing the bare minimum. Um, that I think that is a great revolution that should happen. Does everyone just start doing bare, bare minimum? minimum? Bare minimum. I think yeah. the biggest advice I would give anyone starting a job is you will never be rewarded for no, 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 go, on, go on the extra. Never get rewarded for going the extra mile. And like I, I was, I was definitely one of those people. I was like, I, I've like slept in the office before presentations. Really? Oh, mate, like not a little bit, like a, a fair amount. Yeah. Like, and you never ever get the reward that is worth the missing birthday parties, missing friends. No. You know, no. Like, you, you'll never get that back ever. And when you're 40, you're not going to look back and be like, sure, I'm glad I did that pitch that didn't <laughs> work out. Well, like we said, you know, uh, the lazy, intelligent make the best officers. They make it to the top. So if you're sleeping in the office for the thing, they're just looking, well, he's nothing like me. I'm not going to promote him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think I think I, I was definitely like, a, I'm, a, I'm a lazy, intelligent at heart, but I felt I was in an environment where... That was intoler- intolerable. Intolerable. Yeah, yeah. Because the people above you are like, no, I don't need that out of you. I need you to be grinding away. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to to stand up for yourself. Yeah. I actually well, probably shouldn't say it, like, but I uh, I changed the job because they were trying to get me to do something. Um, Porn. No, they were trying to get, <laughs> they're trying to get me to do something outside work, and I played a move. Basically, I was I was ex- I was expected to go to training outside my normal working hours, which I have no contractual obligation to do. Yeah, and and all I was tr- I was trying to do a bit of bargaining. So I was basically trying to have a conversation where I was kind of going to say, now I don't have to do that, but I will do that for mm. you. But I'm kind of looking for this. Yeah, and what I was looking for was wasn't it wouldn't have been a big give to right. give away, but the conversation quickly. 
quickly blew up right in that before I got to finish my pitch I was just basically told in quite an aggressive patronizing way that I didn't have a choice that I had to go and do this thing and I will I will I intended to go mm. I was going to go but I was going I was going to try and get credit for it and bargain for it so the minute he, he said that to me I just said I don't and he's like you do and I was like no I don't mm-hmm. uh, I and I said I've contracted home I said and it clearly states in the contract uh, training has to be attended if provided during normal working hours so yeah. it's very it's absolutely I was on the right side right yeah um, legally I was on the right side culturally within the profession I was in I was on the wrong side so um, they kept coming at me and then <laughs> And then I just said, I, I said, do you know what? I came back and I said, in principle, you're right. I will go, but I can't go that weekend. I just happened to have something on, which um, I actually did, which anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's... But, but, I, I, but it, I, left, I left that job after that because yeah. I, I felt that they, it was a black mark against me for standing up for myself. For nothing, for nothing objective. If if you know, if you if you sell it to a friend who didn't work in your industry, they'd be like, "No, you're right." Completely right. It's only like the bylaws and the weird sort of subjectivity within any given industry that makes people do things. Like now, that. The, the 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 worst part of the whole thing was the absolute worst part of the whole thing was a couple of years later, I was having a conversation with someone who works for kind of like a representative body for the profession, right? And I mentioned it. And she said to me, you should you should have gone to that training. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, who, who are you? Like, is no one on our side? No. Like, no, I, th- I, I think could, you know, the, 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 the representative body should be like, no, they, you know, they, you know, I, well, anyway. They should have given you some time in lieu. Yeah, now, after, afterwards, like, it doesn't happen that often. Like, now my position will be, I just go, like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get upset about it. And, and to, to be completely honest with you, I never had an issue of going to them. It was just because I went to use this bargaining thing, and then for someone to t- like to to come at me in an aggressive yeah. way, I was just like, you know, I was I was always the same. I would get into trouble every single job I had over things like that. Yeah, but like it's a matter of pr- it's a principle. You can't you're not giving me a very good argument. You're not giving me a rational response to the question, and then like you know, little little kid of bit of me turns on. It's like that's not fair. You can't, yeah, you can't fair. do that. And, and the other side of it too is. But this is my other kind of thing about it is too like um, if they're going to speak to me like that, I've, I'm not going anywhere with them. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like I'm not. You, you don't speak to someone. like I'm a that. person before I'm an employee. Yeah, yeah. You don't like if if you if you value someone and you see them in a respectful way and you think okay, this person has a few future within this kind of organization. You're not going to talk to them like that. Yeah, exactly. So you 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 you're ba- you're done there anyway. You're not going to. Yeah. There's um. There's one final news story. I think we can. Well, I want to decide if this guy is <laughs> lazy, intelligent, <laughs> or, or hardworking, uh, unintelligent. There's a guy in Florida, yeah, right, who was arrested after stealing a crossbow, right, that he stuffed down his pants. Jesus. Made it out of the store, didn't get arrested for stealing the crossbow. Got arrested days later on a burglary charge, and he happened to have the crossbow with him on him, right. And I can't decide if, well, A, how much confidence you have to have just to stuff a crossbow down your pants think no one's going to notice. Right. Well, no. he, he got away with it, but anyway, gone. Yeah. And secondarily, 
what kind of home is this like for home defense this crossbow is it for is it when we well he, he no it was for the armed robbery wasn't it so well, who's he robbing like the vikings like what's he expecting to what's he expecting to happen uh the crossbows in it do you know what i'm gonna give this guy a bit of credit here Go on. because like a crossbow is fierce enough to go in to rob somewhere yeah that the person there like if someone came in and pointed a crossbow at me he's fucking crazy i will give them yeah the money right if he's crazy enough to go out and buy a crossbow, i will give them the money but on the same side every armed robber wants to go in and gets the money and does not want to kill someone mm-hmm. right that's the, they say what the, mm-hmm. the armed robber wants but also with the crossbow you're less likely to actually if it goes wrong you're actually less likely to kill someone true so it's the perfect armed robbery weapon. <laughs> so, we, so this guy's clearly intelligent. This guy's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he has figured out the perfect weapon. Did he? Did, how did the armed robbery go? So he didn't he didn't get to the armed robbery. Apparently, he apparently was there. He was there ready to do it. Someone called in the parking lot because they saw him trying to load uh, the crossbow. So the downside of the crossbow is Low. the size. Mm-hmm. But do they come small now or? <laughs> Your modern crossbow. Can you get a? Can you get well, a? Mod- it must have been pretty small because he got it down his pants. Yeah, yeah. Like they, they, they're a lot smaller than they used to be. Yeah, mo- yeah, yeah, yeah. They've come a long way since twelve hundred. <laughs> 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 so I, th- I think you're right. I think we have we have to give him credit for a very novel approach to armed robbery that probably would have gone well. So so what's he what's so he what's he going to be convicted to because he hasn't done the armed robbery so he can obviously. So he's been charged. He's ended up being charged with like murder, um, murder with weapons charges. Weapons because so like he, okay. he, he didn't buy the crossbow he hasn't got a permit for it <laughs> so he's going to go to jail now and he's going to be in the you know the recreational room and he's going to be like listen that's a crossbow <laughs> it does enough to frighten the person <laughs> less like to kill people everyone's going to come out of that prison going crossbow you know what Cross- I mean there'll be some guy there you know I killed a guy in a bank and I didn't mean to and then mm-hmm. like I'm here for life and everyone will be like crossbow and give you a hack give you a robbery hack give you a robbery hack maybe maybe they'll send, send this guy into the front lines in Ukraine maybe if, if Putin's army isn't as well prepared as everyone thinks send can, him with the crossbow send him with the crossbow and um, where is that Florida yeah oh yeah So it, it's always Florida but yeah Florida's crazy is it yeah it's mental like I would go down I went down there a few times when you was, I was working over there it's just it's wild it's at the, yeah. the top especially there's like um, you go to certain like hotels or bars and stuff it's the only place where you can see fake tits and an oxygen mask on the same person I think really? oh yeah why is it so wild is it just I think it's because it's an in-between state like it's not yeah. the old, it's not the old south it's not got like the charm or the history of the old south um, but it's not got it's got like new money in it as well yeah so and, then, and then it had crazy amount of money from the cocaine oh yeah 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 and then all, a lot of east coast money moves down there so a lot of people, when they get hit a certain age, you know, living in Boston, New York, New Jersey, whatever, they'll just move down and then bring all that money down with them. Is it Puerto Rico Day? Is that what they have in uh, Florida? The Puerto Rico Day Parade. There's a big one in New York. Big one. In, I think it's big. I think it's a big one in Florida. So right, probably maybe Miami. Miami, maybe. yeah, yeah, and huge Cuban national celebrations. As Cuban well. as well, and um, they had that. You seen that in cocaine cowboys? There was a time where there was more money lodged in the banks in Florida mm. than all the rest of America put together <laughs> which is just <laughs> insane <laughs> isn't it why can't we go back to that America that's what I want to know yeah well it's, it's hard to know where America uh, 
we talked about it a lot last week. Um, the, the war will probably be good for America in 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 healing their divide a little bit. Yeah, you got a common enemy to focus. Got a on. common en- enemy to focus on. Um, but yeah, look at be interesting to see how the whole thing plays out. Yeah. So there's five things we learned on this podcast. We're gonna have a workers' rebellion. Everyone's gonna be lazy. lazy. We're ending fossil fuels and crossbows. Excellent robbery weapon of choice for uh, for an armed robbery. Perfect. That's been Tom and Jack having the crack. Hope you enjoyed it. Cheers. Thank you. Is that two hours? Hour and a half. Hour and a half. Perfect. Nice. Lovely. Ah, oh, good. Cheers, buddy. Like that. Yeah. Uh,